Section Seven of *The Children of Odin*. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. *The Children of Odin*, the Book of Northern Myths, by Parik Kolum. Part One, Chapter Eight. Heimdall and Little Hnosa, how all things came to be. Hnosa, the child of Freya and the lost Odur was the youngest of all the dwellers in Asgard. And because it had been prophesied that the child would bring her father and her mother together, little Hnosa was often taken without the city of the gods to stand by Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, so that she might greet Odur if his steps turned toward Asgard. In all the palaces of the city of the gods little Hnosa was made welcome. In Fensalir, the halls of mists, where Frigga, the wife of Odin, all-father, sat spinning with golden threads. In Breidablik, where Baldur, the well-beloved, lived with his fair wife, the young Nanna. In Bilskirnir, the winding-house, where Thor and Sif lived, and in Odin's own palace, Balaskjalf, that was roofed all over with silver shields. The greatest of all the palaces was Gladsheim, that was built by the golden-leaved wood, Glacier. Here the banquets of the gods were held. Often little Nosa looked within, and saw Odin all-father seated at the banquet-table, with a mantle of blue over him, and a shining helmet shaped like an eagle upon his head. Odin would sit there, not eating at all, but drinking the wine of the gods, and taking the food off the table, and giving it to Geri and Freki, the two wolves that crouched beside his seat. She loved to go outside the great gate, and stay beside Heimdall, the warder of the Rainbow Bridge. There, when there was no one crossing that she might watch, she would sit beside Heimdall, and listen to the wonders that he spoke of. Heimdall held in his hands the horn that was called the Gjallar Horn. He would sound it to let the dwellers in Asgard know that one was crossing the Rainbow Bridge. And Heimdall told little Hnosa how he had trained himself to hear the grasses grow, and how he could see all around him for a hundred miles. He could see in the night as well as the day. He never slept. He had nine mothers, he told Hnosa, and he fed on the strength of the earth and the cold sea. As she sat beside him day after day, Heimdall would tell little Hnosa how all things began. He had lived from the beginning of time and he knew all things. Before Asgard was built, he said, and before Odin lived, earth and sea and sky were all mixed together. What was then was the chasm of chasms. In the north there was Niflheim, the place of deadly cold. In the south there was Muspelheim, the land of fire. In Niflheim there was a cauldron called Hvigelmer, that poured out twelve rivers that flowed into the chasm of chasms. Genungagap, the chasm of chasms, filled up with ice, for the waters of the rivers froze as they poured into it. From Muspelheim came clouds of fire that turned the ice into thick mists. The mists fell down again in drops of dew, and from these drops were formed Ymir, the ancient giant. Ymir, the ancient giant, travelled along by the twelve rivers, until he came to where another living form was standing in the mists. This was a giant cow. 
Odhumla was the name of that cow. Ymir lay down beside her and drank her milk, and on the milk she gave him he lived. Other beings were formed out of the dew that fell to the ground. They were the daughters of the frost, and Ymir, the ancient giant, married one, and their children were the giants. One day Ymir saw Audhumla breathe upon a cliff of ice and lick with her tongue the place she breathed on. As her tongue went over and over the place he saw that a figure was being formed. It was not like a giant's form. It was more shapely and more beautiful. A head appeared in the cliff, and golden hair fell over the ice. As Ymir looked upon the being that was being formed, he hated him for his beauty. Audhumla, the giant cow, went on licking the place where she had breathed. At last a man completely formed stepped from the cliff. Ymir, the ancient giant, hated him so much that he would have slain him then and there. But he knew that if he did this, Audhumla would feed him no more with her milk. Burr was the name of the man who was formed in the ice-cliff, Burr, the first of the heroes. He too lived on the milk of Audhumla. He married a daughter of the ancient giant, and he had a son. But Ymir and Ymir's sons hated Burr, and the time came at last when they were able to kill him. And now there was war between Ymir and Ymir's sons, and the son and son's sons of Burr. Odin was the son of Burr's son. Odin brought all his brothers together, and they were able to destroy Ymir and all his brood, all except one. So huge was Ymir that when he was slain his blood poured out in such a mighty flood that all his sons were drowned in it, all except Bergelmir who was in a boat with his wife when the flood came, and who floated away on the flood to the place that we now call Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. Now Odin and his sons took the body of Ymir, the vastest body that ever was, and they flung it into the chasm of chasms, filling up all the hollow places with it. They dug the bones out of the body, and they piled them up as the mountains. They took the teeth out, and they made them into the rocks. They took the hair of Ymir, and they made it into the forests of trees. They took his eyebrows, and formed them into the place where men now dwell, Midgard. And out of Ymir's hollow skull they made the sky. And Odin and his sons and brothers did more than this. They took the sparks and the clouds of flame that blew from Muspelheim, and they made them into the sun and the moon and all the stars that are in the sky. Odin found a dusky giantess named Night, whose son was called Day, and he gave both of them horses to drive across the sky. Night drove a horse that is named Hrimfax, Frosty Mane, and Day drove a horse that is named Skinfax, Shining Mane. From Hrimfax's bit fall the drops that make the dew upon the earth. Then Odin and his sons made a race of men and women, and gave them Midgard to live in. Ugly dwarfs had grown up and had spread themselves over the earth. These Odin made go live in the hollow places beneath the earth. The elves he let stay on the earth, but he gave them the tasks of tending the streams and the grasses and the flowers. And with the Vanir he made peace after a war had been waged, taking Njord from them for a hostage. Bergelmir, the giant who escaped drowning in Ymir's blood, had sons and daughters in Jotunheim. 
They hated Odin and his sons, and strove against them. When Odin lighted up the world with the sun and the moon, they were very wroth, and they found two of the fiercest of the mighty wolves of Jotunheim, and set them to follow them. And still the sun and the moon, Sol and Mani, are followed by the wolves of Jotunheim. Such wonders did Heimdall with the golden teeth tell Hnosa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard. Often the child stayed with him by the rainbow bridge, and saw the gods pass to and from Midgard. Thor, with his crown of stars, with the great hammer Mjolnir in his hands, with the gloves of iron that he used when he grasped Mjolnir. Thor in his chariot drawn by two goats, and wearing the belt that doubled his strength. Frigga, with her dress of falcon feathers, flying swiftly as a bird. Odin all-father himself, riding upon Slepnir, his eight-legged steed, clad all in golden armour, with his golden helmet shaped like an eagle upon his head, and with his spear Gunnir in his hand. Heimdall kept his horn in the branch of a great tree. This tree was called Yggdrasil, he told little Hunosa, and it was a wonder to gods and men. No one knows of a time when Yggdrasil was not growing, and all are afraid to speak of the time when it will be destroyed. Yggdrasil has three roots. One goes deep under Midgard, another goes deep under Jotunheim, and the third grows above Asgard. Over Odin's hall a branch of Yggdrasil grows, and it is called the Peace-Bow. You see Yggdrasil, little Hnosa, but you do not know all the wonders of it. Far up in its branches four stags graze. They shake from their horns the water that falls as rain upon the earth. On the topmost branch of Yggdrasil, the branch that is so high that the gods themselves can hardly see it, there is an eagle that knows all things. Upon the beak of this eagle a hawk is perched, a hawk that sees what the eyes of the eagle may not see. The root of Yggdrasil that is in Midgard goes deep down to the place of the dead. Here there is an evil dragon named Nidhogg, that gnaws constantly at the root, striving to destroy Yggdrasil, the tree of trees. And Ratatosk, the squirrel of mischief, behold him now, runs up and down Yggdrasil, making trouble between the eagle above and the dragon below. He goes to tell the dragon how the eagle is bent upon tearing him to pieces, and he goes back to tell the eagle how the dragon plans to devour him. The stories that he brings to Nidhogg make that evil dragon more fierce to destroy Yggdrasil, the tree of trees, so that he may come upon the eagle and devour him. There are two wells by the roots of Yggdrasil, and one is above and one is below. One is beside the root that grows in Jotunheim. This is a well of knowledge, and it is guarded by old Mimir the wise. Whoever drinks out of this well knows of all the things that will come to be. The other well is by the root that grows above Asgard. No one may drink out of this well. Three sisters that are the holy Norns guard it, and they take the white water from it to water Yggdrasil, that the tree of life may keep green and strong. This well, little Hnosa, is called Erda's well. And little Hnosa heard that by Erda's well there were two beautiful white swans. They made a music that the dwellers in Asgard often heard but Hnosa was too young to hear the music that was made by the swans of Erda's well. Chapter 9 The All-Father's Forebodings 
How He Leaves Asgard Two ravens had Odin all-father, Hugin and Munin were their names. They flew all through the worlds every day, and coming back to Asgard they would light on Odin's shoulders and tell him of all the things they had seen and heard. And once a day passed without the ravens coming back. Then Odin, standing on the watch-tower Hlidskjalf, said to himself, I fear me for Hugin, lest he come not back, but I watch more for Munin. A day passed, and the ravens flew back. They sat, one on each of his shoulders. Then did the All-Father go into the council-house that was beside Glossier, the woods that had leaves of gold, and hearkened to what Hugin and Munin had to tell him. They told him only of shadows and forebodings. Odin All-Father did not speak to the dwellers in Asgard of the things they told him. But Frigga, his queen, saw in his eyes the shadows and forebodings of things to come. And when he spoke to her about these things, she said, Do not strive against what must take place. Let us go to the holy Norns who sit by Erda's well, and see if the shadows and the forebodings will remain when you have looked into their eyes. And so it came that Odin and the gods left Asgard, and came to Erda's well, where, under the great root of Yggdrasil, the three Norns sat, with the two fair swans below them. Odin went, and Tyr, the great swordsman, and Baldur, the most beautiful and the best beloved of the gods, and Thor, with his hammer. A rainbow bridge went from Asgard, the city of the gods, to Midgard, the world of men. But another rainbow bridge, more beautiful and more tremulous still, went from Asgard to the root of Yggdrasil under which was Erda's well. This rainbow bridge was seldom seen by men. And where the ends of the two rainbows came together, Heimdall stood, Heimdall with the golden teeth, the watcher for the gods, and the keeper of the way to Erda's well. "'Open the gate, Heimdall,' said the All-Father. "'Open the gate, for to-day the gods would visit the holy Norns.' Without a word Heimdall opened wide the gate that led to that bridge more coloured and more tremulous than any rainbow seen from earth. Then did Odin and Tyr and Baldur step out on the bridge. Thor followed, but before his foot was placed on the bridge, Heimdall laid his hand upon him. "'The others may go, but you may not go that way, Thor,' said Heimdall. "'What? Would you, Heimdall, hold me back?' said Thor. "'Yes, for I am keeper of the way to the Norns,' said Heimdall. You with the mighty hammer you carry are too weighty for this way. The bridge I guard would break under you, Thor, with the hammer. Nevertheless I will go visit the Norns with Odin and my comrades," said Thor. But not this way, Thor," said Heimdall. I will not let the bridge be broken under the weight of you and your hammer. Leave your hammer here with me if you would go this way. No, no," said Thor. I will not leave in any one's charge the hammer that defends Asgard and I may not be turned back from going with Odin and my comrades." "'There is another way to Erda's well,' said Heimdall. "'Behold these two great cloud-rivers, Kormt and Ermt. Canst thou wade through them? They are cold and suffocating, but they will bring thee to Erda's well, where sit the three holy Norns.' Thor looked out on the two great rolling rivers of cloud. It was a bad way for one to go, cold and suffocating. 
yet if he went that way he could keep on his shoulder the hammer which he would not leave in another's charge. He stepped out into the cloud river that flowed by the rainbow bridge, and with his hammer upon his shoulder he went struggling on to the other river. Odin, Tyr, and Baldur were beside Erda's well, when Thor came struggling out of the cloud-river, wet and choking, but with his hammer still upon his shoulder. There stood Tyr, upright and handsome, leaning on his sword that was inscribed all over with magic runes. There stood Baldur, smiling with his head bent as he listened to the murmur of the two fair swans. And there stood Odin, all-father, clad in his blue cloak fringed with golden stars, without the eagle helmet upon his head, and with no spear in his hands. The three Norns, Erda, Verdani, and Skulda, sat beside the well that was in the hollow of the great root of Yggdrasil. Erda was ancient and with white hair, and Verdandi was beautiful, while Skulda could hardly be seen, for she sat far back, and her hair fell over her face and eyes. Urda, Verdandi, and Skulda, they knew the whole of the past, the whole of the present, and the whole of the future. Odin, looking on them, saw into the eyes of Skulda even. Long, long he stood looking on the Norns with the eyes of a god, while the others listened to the murmur of the swans, and the falling of the leaves of Yggdrasil into Erda's well. Looking into their eyes, Odin saw the shadows and forebodings that Hugin and Munin told him of take shape and substance. And now others came across the rainbow bridge. They were Frigga, and Sif, and Nanna, the wives of Odin and Thor and Baldur. Frigga looked upon the Norns. As she did, she turned a glance of love and sadness upon Baldur, her son, and then she drew back and placed her hand upon Nanna's head. Odin turned from gazing on the Norns, and looked upon Frigga, his queenly wife. "'I would leave Asgard for a while, wife of Odin,' he said. Yea," said Frigga, much has to be done in Midgard, the world of men. I would change what knowledge I have into wisdom," said Odin, so that the things that are to happen will be changed into the best that may be. You would go to Mimir's well," said Frigga. I would go to Mimir's well," said Odin. My husband, go," said Frigga. Then they went back over that rainbow bridge that is more beautiful and more tremulous than the one that men see from the earth. They went back over the rainbow bridge, the Aesir and the Asunir, Odin and Frigga, Baldur and Nanna, Tyr with his sword, and Sif beside Tyr. As for Thor, he went struggling through the cloud rivers Kormt and Ermt, his hammer Mjolnir upon his shoulder. Little Hinosa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard, was there standing beside Heimdall, the watcher for the gods and the keeper of the bridge to Erda's well, when Odin All-Father, and Frigga his queen, went through the great gate with heads bent. "'Tomorrow,' Hnosa heard Odin say, "'tomorrow I shall be Vegtam the wanderer, upon the ways of Midgard and Jotunheim.'" End of Part 1 End of Section 7